Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor at Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. Check us out at publishersweekly.com slash comics. This week we have the great pleasure to be talking with Scott McCloud. You may be familiar with him from uh, from uh, books such as Understanding Comics. In fact, a trilogy of work about uh, the theory of, of comics and uh, the visual theory of comics. But this week we have the pleasure of talking with him a little bit more hands-on. And, and this is about um, his work with the best American comics of 2014. He is the um, the, the, the editor of this particular volume. And um, I, I'd just like to welcome Scott to more to come. Thank you, Calvin. Glad to be here. So, uh, look, this is uh, uh, the Best American Comics 2014. Of course, this is in a long line of, of, of best of anthologies that Houghton Mifflin is, is well known for. Um, you're, you're doing this particular volume, but, but it's done, obviously, in collaboration with, with Bill Cardalopoulos, who's a series editor. Can, uh, how, did you, uh, how did you get invited to, um, uh, to, to take over this particular volume? Well, you know, this is Bill's first uh, volume as uh, series editor, uh, but before that, Matt Madden and Jessica Abel had been um, editing the series for a while, and uh, they had both uh, approached me a few times to do it, and I kept saying, well, you know, I have this book that I'm working on, this graphic novel. I just want to finish it, and the book kept going longer and longer and longer. And finally, I was able to tell them, yeah, I can do it. And then they were like, that's really great, Scott. We're out of here. We're moving to Europe or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but we're leaving it in the very capable hands of Bill Cardalopoulos, as you mentioned. And Bill and I, uh, I just got along great and, uh, and had a really fun time, though it was certainly very hard work, um, uh, tunneling through this massive pile of comics that came out during that Period. Now it's 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 Mark 2014. It actually covers uh, a particular span of dates from about fall 2013 to fall 2014. So it's a little weird, um, or, or summer 2000. I forget mm -hmm. how it goes. Yeah, exactly. I, I noticed like, that too. Reading the book, that uh, some some crazy way of so it's like a Gregorian yeah. calendar. <laughs> the comics aren't actually from the calendar year 2014 they actually cover they cover a year from about what is it about uh late 2012 to late 2013 something along right, those yeah. lines yeah and i still get we still get the snarky comments online wow the year isn't even done yet they both picked the best it's <laughs> people who are kind of are dubious of the whole notion of picking the best comics of the year anyway i suppose huh well you know i'm i have sympathy with them if they're a little bit skeptical that anyone can do that you know it's true nobody can do it exactly and, you know, I say right up front in my introduction that, you know, yes. it, mm -hmm. it's laughable to even imagine that that Bill and I literally read every single comic published during that period. You know, that that would have taken us all year to do. But um, but it's our opportunity, I think, to to show a picture, a snapshot of where this medium is at this time in this place and and do our best to show, you know, our particular take on it. And of course, Every editor is different. Every every vision of comics is a little different. Mm -hmm. uh, I tried in my case to give a broad survey, which meant shorter excerpts, but uh, maybe a wider footprint. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I'm just going to stop and get mentioned very quickly. I mean, you're the latest editor, but the editors before you, which you briefly mentioned, they're like, uh, I believe, Harvey Picar, Chris Ware, uh, Linda Berry, um, Neil Gaiman, Alison Bechtel, um, uh, Francois Mouly, uh, Jeff Smith. So you're the yeah. latest in. Um, 
an impressive line of editors who took on this this almost impossible task. Well, so it's so almost impossible that I, I went back and checked, and sure enough, almost every single one of them uh, had what I called the the recitation of the ode to futility, where they go <laughs> on and explain how Im- how impossible it is to truly pick or even decide, you know, what what the best is. And yet, it's a tough job, but someone's got to do it. <laughs> yep. So, uh, um, well, let me ask you this: um, How? Well, I'd love to ask you about criteria. I mean. And I'm, I'm just curious to see, you know, how you do it, but also uh, uh, quickly, how how do you work back and forth between uh, you and Bill? I mean, you're probably on different sides of the, the country when you're working on this. That's right. Yeah, I'm in California. Bill is on the East Coast. Is he in New York? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, he's, I think, he's, I in think he's in New York. Yeah, when he's yeah. not gallivanting to around the European art comic circuit. But go yeah, on. Right. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, the, the way it works, the way it's, I guess, always worked for, for this particular series is that the series editor um, gets together a, a big, big pile of what they think is the best stuff, uh, far too big to fit in the book. And then it's, it's up sure. to the guest editor, me in this case, to, uh, to choose from that. But we have a lot of latitude. And if there's something I really love, I want to bring to the table, bring into the mix, I can do that. Um, and so, you know, there were a few things that I brought in. Of course, now it's all a blur. I can't remember what what I added to the pile and what was in the pile to begin with. But Bill Bill has a very broad focus. Um, he's he clearly has a, a passion for what happens, uh, you know, in the art yes. comics, literary comics scene, and he also doesn't discriminate by you know the prominence of of something uh, you know in the in the traditional publishers market. So we we had some examples that may have only been available in small runs as a small press comic at one, like one show but if it was a good comic who cares sure absolutely you know? well let me ask you this i mean obviously uh the book skews toward what i guess we would call literary comics or art comics or even experimentalist comics yeah. i mean you know where does that leave the superhero genre um is that is it does it get enough attention um is it you know, I'm, I'm 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 struggling here to express myself, but I think you know what I mean. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it does. It's always skewed a bit towards the literary and art comics scene, and this this volume is no exception. Although it would have skewed a little bit less so if we didn't have a bit of a problem with rights regarding Hawkeye. Oh, um, oh yeah, you mentioned I saw it in one of your yeah. intros. Yeah, yeah, I had actually mm-hmm. chosen an excerpt from Matt Fraction and David Aha's Hawkeye. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, to be in this volume, and through really no one's fault, uh, you know, there there were just some rights back and forth, and the publisher Hode Mifflin they really bent over backwards to to make sure that it it got in there, and at the end uh, there was a sort of contractual trigger with a lot of other excerpts mm-hmm. where because they had paid a little bit more, and the others had a, I think quite a reasonable clause that said you know we'll we'll agree to the rate but you can't pay somebody else more than this and then all of a sudden we realized that if hawkeye went in then like three or four other comics were going to drop out including including some very very prominent and important ones and in the end it's just we just had to make that hard choice but i still have if you look at my introduction you you'll still see much of what i wrote about superhero comics okay and Mm -hmm. hawkeye they're a legitimate genre. Sure. Mm-hmm. S- superhero comics are just another form of comic, and there have been some great ones. I mm-hmm. grew up reading them. Sure. And Same here. Even, yeah, even though I got kind of snooty about superhero <laughs> comics when I was a teenager, 
you know. I, I believe me, I've had my snooty period. Some people might even say it's still going on, but <laughs> but let's um let let's get to the comics just a little bit. I mean um I mean I have some things just to um, to mention to you. Would you, would you like to bring out some of your favorites, or how how would you like me to do this? You want me to throw a question at you, or throw a, one of your own selections at you, or well, maybe sure. talk yeah. a little bit about what 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 you remember best about it. Well, you know what? I could kick off by mentioning a few that I was unaware of, like I was unaware of the cartoonists sure. before I began this. Uh, Sam Sharp, I think, is a real natural, mm-hmm. and I, I really that, like his piece about – Is that about... the funny animal? Um, yeah. Except a... it wasn't very funny. It was no, <laughs> very not... moving, actually. Actually, it was kind of funny, but it was kind of – yeah, it was kind of wrenching, too, about mm-hmm. a relationship with a mentally ill mom yes, who's been mm-hmm. absent for a long time. I, I thought that was really terrific. Right after it, actually, is uh, Nina Bunyavak, I think. I'm not uh, sure, yeah. sure how to pronounce her name. And I was unaware of her work as well. And I, I really like this particular piece um, that was steeped in personal history and also the history of of that particular region uh, of Europe, uh, of Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then let's see. Um, boy, I love that Ted May. I have seen Ted May before. But there's this one comic. It's just like, how can I even explain why I love this this little thing from his mini comic, Men's Feelings? This thing yeah, this is, is so the uh, this is the office meeting that didn't yeah. happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a very. I, I'm unfamiliar with him myself, but uh, it was a very engrossing comic about the prosaic, you know, life of this of this working guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's. It's like. I can't quantify. There's no. I mean, like, it's not the art or the right. It was just like, what is it about this comic? But and I, he's been around for ages, actually. Ted, I remember his comics from way back. But this one just just makes me laugh every time I look at it. It's just so awesome. Um, I had I'd only barely seen uh, Ellsworth, Theo El- Ellsworth stuff, and I'm really fond of him. And I really like this kind of burgeoning surrealistic mm-hmm. comic thing that's going on. With uh, Theo and uh, Jesse Jacobs and, you know. And I guess Michael DeForge in some ways. Oh, yeah. Well, DeForge mm-hmm. DeForge is definitely part of that, although he's also kind of his own unique species, mm-hmm. as I say in the book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he doesn't look like anything else. Yeah, these uh, are these are kind of amazing. Yeah, I, I'm completely unfamiliar with uh, Ellsworth, but um, they're really quite amazing and incredibly rich. Uh, the yeah. illustration, really amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I was jealous of Jeff that he got Jesse Jacobs because I would have loved him. <laughs> he had a really nice Jesse Jacobs last time. Uh, well, let me ask you this: you have kind of your you you've sort of broken the comics up into your own uh, sort of you know thematic categories. Want to yeah. talk talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. You know, I I think that sometimes best American comics can be a little dizzying. Like you just see, you know, section after section after section. Where do I start? Where do I begin? I thought I was going to do comics intros, and then I realized that it would all just be here comics, 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 comics. <laughs> and you couldn't really sort of parse which was the intro and which was the comic. And I actually, you know, I went against type this time and just used text. But, but I broke them up because I thought it would help to get a sense of the whole. And I did something mm-hmm. a little u- unusual where I basically ask the reader at the very beginning consider reading it in, in order it's yes an another error. thing yeah that's a little unusual um it you you ask people to read it straight through not to browse yeah don't browse read <laughs> <laughs> in a 300 page anthology but uh, you had your reasons 
yeah, I wanted to tell a story about comics in, in this day and age, you know, to, to just tell a tale. And even, you know, you know, I'm all about pictures and sequence, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I was I was letting go of the pictures, but I wasn't let, letting go of the sequence. I wanted people to experience this in a particular sequence. Well, you know, I, just for our our podcast listeners at home, I'm just going to read off the names of a couple of the categories and the cartoonists that are in them, just so that they can have a feel for this when they're listening to this. The, and you lead off with great comics are not a genre. And uh, under that heading, you've got, among others, you've got uh, Jaime Hernandez, Ben Catcher, Charles Burns, uh, his, uh, uh, Jaime's brother Gilbert. Uh, Adrian Tomini, R. Crum, and Aline, uh, and, uh, Aline Kaminsky. Crum, I'd like to come back to that too. And Ben Catcher. And just to, just so to, to give our uh, listeners a sense, the next section is Raising Readers, where you talk a great deal about Raina Telgemeier. Uh, and and actually, um, Fanny Britt and Isabel Arsenault, who I w- was not familiar with, and the comic is really, really beautiful. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, the whole comic is fantastic too. That's one where it almost hurt to cut it in any way shape or form because it's it's i mean you know in all in many Mm -hmm. cases the whole comic is beautiful but um it's such a subtle emotionally moving comic and it's really a kid's storybook as much as a comic but it's still comics you know it's Mm -hmm. still comics and uh yeah i wasn't familiar with them either uh, and then, uh, then you've got another category, family tree, um, and includes Miriam Caton, who's like wonderful, letting go about her. I guess the, the I mean, she escaped the Nazis, and so the, the the story sort of talks about her inability to to deal with her own mental connections with with um, the Germans. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as, uh, as her son, as her son is, playing, as her son is about, yes, the, yes, yeah. <laughs> a heartbreaking story uh, by by Tom Hart. Um, yeah. It's just really, the, I, I I can't say too much more about it than that. Uh, and of course, the the, uh, the the two cartoonists you mentioned, Sam Sharp and Nina um, Nina Bunyavec. That's my guess. Yes, yeah. uh, who the complete work is coming out actually this month from um, Norton, I believe, and it's called Fatherland. Yeah, that's keep an eye out for that one. Yes. I, you know, I like her cartooning, but it, there was this one particular story that had a departure in style that I really liked. And mm-hmm. it looks as if Fatherland is going to be much more uh, working in that style. Very interesting stuff. Well, let's just jump back for a second to the, the, the opening section. Great comics are not a genre. Now, I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about this. I mean, those of us who've sort of been out here, you know, sort of raising the flag for comics uh, back in the day. I mean, that was almost a byword, you know. Uh, um, comics are, are, are a medium. They're not a genre because obviously the mainstream world, it, it, certainly in the past, had a tendency to sort of lump all comics into one basket. Um, yeah. But obviously we know that's not true. But I, So I'm curious about this, this beginning category. Could you talk a little bit about that and how you came to that being a, an actual category? Well, yeah, actually, yeah, the whole idea that comics are a medium, not a genre is is an even broader battle that we had to fight for decades. I think people are starting to get that idea that that um, there's no particular type of comic that that comprises the medium. The medium doesn't mean superheroes. The medium doesn't mean funny animals. Mm-hmm. The mean, medium is just putting one picture after another to tell a story. But also, you know, over the years, as we've had a beachhead of really good work, We've also started to get a sense that there's a particular stylistic 
um, categorization to the good stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You know that the good stuff is always kind of cynical, maybe a little hipsterish. Mm-hmm. Sure. Maybe it's in black and white. You have a protagonist who, with a slumped posture, who hates himself, and you know, yeah, <laughs> just, sure, sure, right? You know, like just <laughs> the, the the kind of the, the that's beginning to become this genre in people's minds. And one of the things I wanted to do with that first chapter, where I was collecting together the familiar names, the ones that you see a lot sure. in Best American Comics, right? Mm-hmm. The, us- the usual suspects, as, as mm-hmm. I call them. Um, I want to collect them together and say, you know what? Even even these guys, even even the ones who are right in the center of the sort of the great comics clubhouse, even they're very, very different. You know, you look at mm-hmm. Charles Burns is doing very different stuff from Adrian Tominini. He's doing really different stuff from Catcher or Hernandez. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, no, it's really cool. Well, I, I guess the new cliche is that we're in a new golden age of comics. There's, I've never seen, and and as you know, I you know I've been 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 trying to, to talk about comics in the book trade since the late late 1980s. I've never yes, seen. Have, so- I'm a witness. I'm a witness. <laughs> Al, I was there. I remember. Indeed, you were. Uh, uh, but ago. but I've never seen. Uh, a, a landscape of more diversity of genre, more in, an incredible wide range of talent, uh, of approaches. Um, you, of course, you have a great section about raising readers, which, in, which, from what I can see, particularly points to the explosion of talent by um, young women creators, uh, yeah. which I think is a very key. And your history, I think, of kind of how we got to now and mm-hmm. the, the importance of manga. Um, I think is really amazing too. Really, oh, yeah. really critical description. Yeah, manga was super important, and you know that's and this was something I tagged. Well, I, I, as I mentioned in the intro, like ten years ago, I was making a bet that mm-hmm. within <laughs> twenty years we'd have a majority female industry, and I, I'm not letting go of that bet. Actually, I, I'm thinking of laying some money. I don't know if Vegas is taking odds. But, <laughs> well, if they if know. they if they get a copy, we'll send them a copy of Best American Comics, and I'm sure they put a betting line out. There you yeah, go. They'll let you bet on anything. But um, but look, yeah, let's uh, well, let's just jump around. I'd love to just hear your take on a, on a couple of things. Um, once again, I guess you could call them two of our great masters, Art Crumb and Aline Kaminsky Crumb. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the high road to the schmuck seat, but but um. Uh, old people having sex. I mean, I think that we can old, count old on people. Old people having oral sex. There you go. There you go. I think uh, uh, we, our crumb, is doing what what has to be done. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's what's really great is um, when Bill told me that we got Jaime to do the cover. I thought to myself, hmm, there are a few different approaches he might take. I wonder if he's going to do one of those sort of innocent kid like things. And he did. He yeah, has this yeah. beautiful cover of this girl. Uh, you know, it's just like jumping down a sidewalk of panels, yes. basically. Mm-hmm. And and I thought to myself, wow, with that beautiful, sort of childlike cover and Raina's wonderful, sweet, yeah. innocent end papers, then you just go straight into, um, you know, Crumb and Aline, you know, just doing it in the yeah. garden. And yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, four and a half, you might want, you could even yeah. say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, doing we're, we're, you and I are speaking in the middle of Band Books Week, and I'm doing an event tomorrow, and I'm just wondering, as this thing com- is coming out, I wonder if any school libraries are going to think, oh, this looks like a sweet, nice, innocent <laughs> thing for 
They have the kids. Students. Oh, I could be in trouble. <laughs> there you go. Well, if you're if 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 this book is banned, um, it's just a, a testament to its quality. Um, let's see. Let's jump around a little bit here. Um, well, the book of the year is not a book, and and uh, that's another one of your categories, and it's only got one book in the category, and I think yeah. we know what that book is. It's Chris Ware's Building Stories. Uh, without a doubt, one of the more amazing books, uh, events. Uh, what is it? Things, <laughs> objects, yeah. collections. When I, I actually interviewed him, and I said, well, it's not so much a book as it is a library. Yeah. Oh, I like that. The Acme Novelty Library made real. In some right? ways, yeah. Yeah. In fact, I think I asked him. I think I I said uh, it, it seemed as though instead of chapters, you you use formats, <laughs> and he yeah. seemed to think that that worked as good as any description. No, that's exactly right. Yeah, I mean, for for those who haven't seen it, hopefully everybody's seen it, but just for those who haven't, um, you know, it's a giant oversized box, as you know, as big as a giant game box you might get from Milton Bradley, and uh, it's just filled with artifacts. It's filled, there's a there's a game board comic, there's little pamphlet comics, mm-hmm. there's newspaper style comics, and they're all telling uh, the story of this this time and place centered around a building, and uh, and a neighborhood around it, and just a you know a few different characters and their lives um and uh yeah it's quite extraordinary it's this way of sort of triangulating life i'm very interested Mm -hmm. in the notion of triangulation the idea that by seeing things from different viewpoints you can get a better shape of the world uh and that's that's something i think that that chris has been doing successfully now for many years um it also seems to address and I, and I don't want to say it's a bias against, but it's sort of trying to uh, come to grips in some ways with this the, kind of the, the I guess it's a, a sort of a battle going on going on now between print and digital. And mm. and, and I don't think and I talk with him about this. I mean, he, he's not anti digital, but he does think, you know, he does want to talk a little bit about the power of print. And, uh, and and to a certain sense, I think he was sort of creating a book that couldn't be digitized. <laughs> yeah, well, this is you know even though I'm a big booster of of the notion of digital comics, yeah, this too. is actually mm-hmm. this is right up my alley because uh, I don't like repurposing. I don't like things yeah. that are that are done that somebody thinks you can just push a button and have it jump from one form to another. You should choose your form. You should design for the device, and sometimes that device is a book. And you know, even 20 years ago when we were first beginning to talk about digital comics and web comics, you know, one of the things that I brought up was the fact that when I began, we didn't choose print. You know, we didn't even see print. Print was just the natural way you got your comics out there, right? Mm-hmm. And and now all of a sudden people who are faced with the possibility of creating these intangible web comics, if they choose print, they're choosing it deliberately and they see it for what it is, something you can hold, something you can put in your hands. And that's why I think uh, what Chris is doing is important, just as what Spiegelman was doing with Raw or what like the Fort Thunder kids were doing with mini comics with mm-hmm. all these crazy things on weird paper, you know, bound with mm-hmm. twine and day glow silkscreen colors, you know, all that stuff. They were saying print is an object. Print is something that we can enjoy as an object. It's different. And and yeah, I think I think very it it stands in stark contrast to the web. You cannot digitize what Chris did, and that's that's its strength. Yes, and and to be sure, uh, we're not painting him as anti-digital um, because he's no. he's done actually no, a number of fascinating digital projects, and I think he's actually launching a new one right now with the Guardian, kind of an online web serial 
comic strip. Um, That's good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, Chris Ware, uh, um, still do, on to doing something else even more interesting than he's than he's already done. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, just a couple more things here. Uh, I guess really I'd love uh, maybe to wrap this up. I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about the testimonial section, uh, in particular because of the John Lewis, Rep. Representative John Lewis's March Book One, uh, which, uh, in addition to being uh, a, just a great document, it's just sort of exciting to see a representative of Congress really as a comics creator. Yeah, and, <laughs> and a great American. I mean, not just any member of Congress either. Really, in my view, a great American. Oh, he's a civil rights legend. Yeah, but um, no, I think that the, the the funny anecdote that I relayed in that was the the fact that uh, I got to meet him myself, as many people did at Comic Con. Yes, behind the, at the top the top <laughs> shelf booth, and I just thought this is so surreal. It's it's just it's so strange. I you know I wrote that sentence, and then I just had to read it over and over again to make sure that that sentence made sense. How is that possible that <laughs> <Yes>. that happened? <laughs> yeah, but and of course the great irony, as I mentioned in my introduction, is that uh, you know it. it partially it recounts the power of comics many years ago mm, yes you know right. long before mm -hmm. the hipsters moved in long before we we got all these you know pretensions of you know a bold new art form or whatever uh comics were already being used to teach important lessons and one of them was a uh, lesson about martin luther king and the movement uh, that john lewis himself yeah benefited mm -hmm. tremendously from so you know i can i can be very um what's the word i can be very biased toward the present uh, and the future. I can sometimes be dismissive of comics past, but uh, comics have been changing minds, you know, since before, you know, I could I could uh, drive ride a bicycle, and um, uh, you know, we should remember that that there have been significant books, sometimes by relatively anonymous artists, mm -hmm. you know, for many many years, and that was one of them. That one that that John Lewis himself read uh, when he was young. Yeah, you know, I, uh, it, it's really about the bus boycott and it's a, biogra a, a biography of Martin Luther King. But it, it also, the, the, this comic done in uh, the mid-1950s really uh, outlined uh, the philosophy of nonviolence in a very methodical and clear way. It was really an extraordinary comic. Yeah, and it speaks also to comics' great untapped potential for uh, for for teaching for for nonfiction, this is something that uh, James Sturm recently brought up in that little manifesto out of CCS. Um, Eisner talked about it as well. Um, you know, Eisner thought it was just the tip of the iceberg that we've only begun to play with this notion that comics can change minds, that comics can uh, tell the stories, you know, the true stories. Of individuals, as Joe Sacco has been exploring, sure. as a lot of mm -hmm. Marjan Satrapi has been exploring, um, everybody's voice needs to be heard, and I think March is like a beautiful example of that. Great, uh, you know, why don't we wrap this up? If you could just um, uh, talk a little bit about the the, the web comics section. Obviously, you've got uh, Ali Brosh's Depression in there, Depression Part Two. Can you talk a little bit about that? Is, is that a new category for uh, Best American Comics? Yeah, well, in a way, it wasn't so much a category as more a mm -hmm. I can't get out of this job without saying something, you know, <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, not, it's not really I, I wouldn't really say it's a, it's it it doesn't operate by the same rules. It's mm -hmm. not just a, you know, a, a selection of the best of though, though Ali Brosh's work is is definitely a highlight of, of this period. Um, 
uh, I think there's a lot going on in web comics that we that's sort of been overlooked. And I wanted, as I say, I wanted to give it as wide a footprint as possible. So my article is more just about talking about mm-hmm. recent trends in web comics, mm-hmm. in American web comics, and uh, and some of the interesting developments therein. Um, but uh, but there, I think especially. Uh, I would have had to take another couple of years yeah, if I sure. really wanted to do that careful piece by piece survey that allowed me to finally crown somebody the best. I, okay. didn't, I didn't want to go down that rabbit hole. That would have right. been we'll call long. it a survey of of recent trims in web comics. Yeah, right. exactly. Well, awesome. Well, what, uh, uh, and and actually in the book you you have a listing kind of of of, of some of the you know, of of the web comics that you talk about in your article. But um, um, also, and also, I see uh, there's a long list. I think I counted nearly a hundred titles that you guys also went over that came through this period, just to let people know that you know there's there's so much out there, really. It really is the notable lists, which is a tradition in Best American Comics, is always compiled, uh, compiled, excuse me, by the series editor. So that's that's basically Bill's list. That's mm-hmm. those are the comics that Bill brought to my attention at the beginning of the process. Cool. All right. Uh, look, this is great. I mean, it's a fabulous book, beautifully produced in hardcover. Uh, I'm sure there's a trade paper, paperback coming as well. Um, but, Scott, thanks so much for giving us some time to talk about this. Um, uh, we, we truly are in a new golden age of comics. I, I definitely buy into that idea. Thank All you right. so much for having me, Calvin. Absolutely. And, and, and I just want to tell people to remember to look out for your next book coming out from First Second, uh, the sculptor. Um, you've been working on this book for many years. It's coming out in February of next year. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um. Uh. And uh, I'm lucky enough to have an advanced copy, so I've been reading it. And I, I all I can say is you, that you've got a lot to look forward to. This. It's a real gem. And Scott, thanks for giving us some time. Thank you so much, Cal.